Do you think that there are some sins that are worse than other sins? Is it all the same? Uh, yeah. Personally, I feel some sins are worse more than others. The quick answer is yes. My Catholic answer would be yes, there's mortal sins and yeah, so. Telling people is worse. Yeah, it's a lot worse than telling a little white lie, I think. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I said, if a sin is a sin, then it's a sin. Sin is sin no matter way, no matter how you look at it, sin is sin. Do you think you're a sinner? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, I don't think I'm up there in the, the, the worst sinners. You know, I feel there's some are worse than others. I'm a sinner on little things, but not big things. I guess I am, because I'm not perfect. Do you sin? I'm sure I have, yeah, so everyone does it every once in a while. Do you sin? I do. Um, how often? Every day? Every week? Every day. Daily. It's ridiculous, but yeah. I probably sin multiple times today. Every day I go to work. Every day I walk out the door. Are you sinning right now, by any chance? No. Is everyone a sinner? I don't, I wouldn't know. Everybody has some kind of sin. We always born into sin, so we're all sinners. Well, last week we began studying the five different categories of sin. And of course, we didn't finish, so that's what we're going to be doing this morning. But before we pick up where we left off, let me briefly re review what we've covered so far. I began last week by addressing the erroneous belief that all sin is the same. At least, that's what most of us have been taught, right? Yeah. The majority of us have been taught that in God's eyes, all sin is the same. So telling a little white lie is the same in God's eyes as committing premarital sex. Or gossiping is the same in God's eyes as committing murder. And you know, it's kind of interesting because we have in our mind developed this thought that all sin is the same. At least it's the same in God's eyes. Well, I hate to break this to you, but that's not true. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that certain types of sin are worse than others. And it actually divides sin into five different categories. If you're taking notes, let me give you the five categories of sin. The first one is sin. The second is unrighteousness. The third is trespasses. The fourth is transgressions. And the fifth is iniquity. Now, I know that most of you have been taught that these are synonyms, that all of these words refer to the same thing, they're just different words for sin, but that's not true. Each of these words are translated from a different Greek word, and they describe a specific type of sin, and some are worse than others. Now, last week we covered the first two categories of sin. The first category of sin is simply referred to as sin. It's translated from the Greek word hamartia, and it means to miss the mark. And I gave you a good example to illustrate what this word means. If you had a person who was shooting a bow and arrow, and he was pretty good at it, at the distance of 20 yards, he could probably hit the bullseye 10 out of 10 times. But if we continually moved that person back, eventually he would not hit the bullseye. He would be trying to hit the bullseye, but he wouldn't do it. And that's what this word means. It means that you're trying to be perfect, but you've missed the mark. You're trying to hit the bullseye according to God's word, but you miss. Turn to Romans 3.23. It says, for all have sinned. That word for sinned is hamartia. For all have missed the mark and come short of the glory of God. Now, the word hamartia implies, as I've already stated, that you're trying your best to be perfect but you just can't do it. So this category deals more with sins of omission 
and sins of ignorance. And I gave you an example of each last week. James chapter 4 verse number 17 tells us what a sin of omission is. It says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is a sin. In other words, if you know you're supposed to forgive a person, but you don't do it, that's a sin. It's a sin of omission. If you know you're supposed to help someone and you don't do it, that's a sin. That's a sin of omission. If you know that you're supposed to invite someone to church and you don't do it, that's a sin. It's a sin of omission. And then last week we looked at what a sin of ignorance is. In Acts the 17th chapter, verse number 30, it tells us that at one time God overlooked sin or he winked at it. Why? Because they didn't know any better when they did those type of sins. They didn't have the complete Bible. Well, we now have the complete Bible. We have the Old Testament and we have the New Testament. But that doesn't mean that we know everything that's in it. So sometimes we do things we shouldn't do because we don't know any better. We didn't realize we weren't supposed to do that. So that is considered to be a sin of ignorance. And that is in this first category of sin. We're trying to be perfect. We're trying to do what God wants us to. But we don't. We're not perfect. We're human. We commit sins of omission and we commit sins of ignorance. The second category of sin is referred to as unrighteousness. It's translated from the Greek word adikia. And it means to mistreat someone or to be unfair. Now, the best way to illustrate the meaning of this word is to look at how it's used in the Bible. And we did that last week. In Matthew, the 20th chapter, we went to the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And we found out in this parable that the workers accused the owner of the vineyard of being unfair. That word unfair is translated from the Greek word adikia. They thought that he, that he was not treating them right. And that's what adikia means. We also went to the book of Acts, the 7th chapter, verses 24 through 25, where it's talking about Moses. And it says that Moses saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. That word mistreating is translated from the word adikia. He wasn't treating this Israelite right. So if you've ever been unfair to someone, or you've ever mistreated someone, you've committed this type of sin. You've committed adikia. And that's what we covered last week. So now we're ready to move on to the third category of sin. The third category of sin is referred to as a trespass. We're now getting to the more serious types of sin. Now don't get me wrong. All sin separates you from God. Whether it's a sin of omission or a sin of ignorance, we are sinners. And that sin separates us from God. That's why we need Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ took our sins upon, it, upon himself. He died on the cross. He bore our punishment. After all of our sins were paid for, God raised him from the dead. So all sin separates us from God. But don't fall for the old lie that all sin is the same. People, that's faulty logic. To think that all sin is the same. That's kind of like saying crime is breaking the law. And all crimes make you a criminal. So in a judge's eyes, all crimes are the same. Crime is crime. Well, we know that's not true. If you jaywalk and you get a life sentence for that, is that right? No, that's not right. We know that there are different types of crime. And even though all crime makes you a criminal, it doesn't mean that all crimes are the same. It's the same way with sin. So now we're getting into the more serious types of sin. The word trespasses is actually translated from the Greek compound word peripatoma. 
Now, a compound word means that it's made up of more than one word. In this case, it's made up of two. It's made up of the prefix para, which is in the dative case, and it means beside, and the root word pipto, which means to fall. Now, when you combine these two words, it literally means to fall beside. But that really doesn't tell you what it means. So I'm going to go back a little bit further. Let me explain what it means in classical Greek. In classical Greek, this word was used in reference to warfare. It was used to describe a soldier or soldiers who deliberately threw themselves at the enemy in the heat of the battle. And it was intentional and it was deliberate, but they had to work themselves up into an emotional frenzy in order to do it. So it's based on emotion. How many of you have seen the movie Braveheart? It's a great movie. If you remember when they line up to do battle, he gives this great speech and his face is painted, half of it's blue, half of it's white, and all of these other soldiers are there with him and these warriors and they're painted up too. And then they start taking their swords and they start beating upon their shields. What are they doing? They're working themselves up into an emotional frenzy so that they can charge the enemy. It's kind of like those of you who play football. If you were ever on the kickoff team, you know, your job many times was to go down there and tackle the person, but there were also specific jobs on the kickoff team. Now, when I graduated from high school, I weighed 129 pounds. Yeah, at one time, I could say I had actually gained 100 pounds since high school. But anyways, I weighed 129 pounds, and in my junior year, my job was to break the wedge. Or break the wall. And if you've ever played football, you know what I'm talking about. If you're on the kickoff team and you kick the ball, the team that's receiving, they have a group that actually runs back. They all get together and there's four or five guys. And their job is to create this wall and to take out the people. Well, my job was to break the wall. Now, I was pretty fast, so many times I could get down there before they ever made the wall. But if they had some fast players and they made the wall... I would run down there, and then I would dive at them. And what you try to do is you don't hit them in the chest. You try to take out their heads. So what you do is you dive towards them. You take your head over the right, and you throw your shoulder. And what you're hoping to do is to hit the head. And then when you do that, because you're throwing your body to the side, your legs will whip around and take the people's heads out. Now, it doesn't matter how big you are. If someone comes at your head, and you're sitting like this, and they hit your head... And you're going down or you're getting out of the way. And that was how I would take out the wall. But, th but in order to do that, you get there and you start building yourself up. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them. I hate them. I hate them. Anyone ever done that? Okay. I wasn't a Christian then. But anyways, you work yourself up into this emotional frenzy so that at 129 pounds, you can go down and hit people that are 200 to 250 pounds. And that's what warriors would do. Now, in the Bible, this word refers to sin that is deliberate and intentional, but it's also based on emotions. A good example of this is premarital sex. You know it's wrong, but you get caught up in the passion of the moment, so you do it. All the time knowing, you shouldn't do this, you need to stop this, but the passion of the moment is what causes you to throw all reason and caution to the wind. That's what a trespass is, and that's what Jesus was talking about when he was teaching us how to pray in Matthew the 6th chapter. Go ahead and look at Matthew chapter 6, verse number 14. This is what Jesus said. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, the word trespasses is translated from the Greek word peripatoma. 
And it's referring to the type of sin that's caused by becoming emotional over a situation. In other words, you get caught up in the heat of the moment and you do something that you know you shouldn't. And all the time you're doing it, you know it's wrong, but you're angry. How many of you have ever got angry at something and you started telling someone off or, or maybe it's a guy and you think, well, I just feel like punching him out and you're saying things you shouldn't say and you're acting all aggressive and inside you know you shouldn't be acting that way, but you're getting caught up in the heat of the moment. You're getting caught up with this emotional uh, experience of being angry. But then once the heat of the moment is over, you start feeling remorse and regret for doing this type of sin and you keep asking yourself why did I do that so we have to realize that if we don't keep a tight rein on our emotions they can really get us into trouble and we end up doing things we never thought we would do I have seen Christians who have been kicked out of ball games I have seen Christians who've gotten gotten into fights I've seen Christians who get involved in premarital sex in a relationship because passion is right up there with emotions. But that gives you a good idea of what a trespass is. If you want it short and simple, here's what a trespass is. It's when you do something you know is wrong, but you get caught up in the heat of the moment. You get caught up in the emotions of the time. Now, the fourth category of sin is referred to as transgressions. The word transgression comes from the Greek compound word parabasis. And again, a compound word is made up of more than one word. In this case, it's made up of two. It's made up of the prefix para. But this is in a different case. In the dative case, para means beside. But this is in the accusative case. And para in the accusative case means beyond or across. And then it's made up of the root word basis, which means to step. Or to walk. So when you combine these two words, it literally means to step across the line. You see, God gave us specific commands. In essence, what he did is he drew a line in the sand and he said, Don't do this. So when a person willfully and deliberately decides to step across the line, he has committed a transgression. So a transgression is a willful and deliberate decision to break a commandment, to step across the line. Now, this does not refer to sins of omission or sins of ignorance. This refers to an intentional, an obstinate violation of a known commandment. Let me give you a good example. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Romans, the fourth chapter, verse 15, and let me show you how this is used in the Bible. It says, because law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no what? Transgression. Let me read that last part again. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. In other words, if no line had been drawn in the sand, you couldn't step across it because there's no line drawn in the sand. Now, that doesn't mean that before the law you couldn't sin. See, all of you who thought, that all of these words were synonyms, they, they meant the very same thing, they were just different words for sin, you've never understood this verse. You thought, well, you know, before the law you couldn't sin. No, 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 no. This doesn't mean that before the law you couldn't sin. It means you couldn't transgress. And there's a difference between sinning and transgressing. Does that make sense? So it says, before there was law, there was no transgressions. There was no parabasis. Now, 
What's the difference between a trespass and a transgression? A trespass is the third category of sin. A transgression is the fourth. What's the difference between the two? Because when you trespass, you do things that you know you shouldn't, but you're caught up in the emotion of it. But with the transgression, what's the difference between them? Because they're both willful and deliberate acts. Well, here's the difference. A trespass is based on emotions or passions. In other words, if you wouldn't have been placed in that particular situation, you probably would not have committed that sin. But a person who commits a transgression is actually looking for that type of situation. They didn't fall into it. It was premeditated. It's like the difference between manslaughter and first-degree murder. How many of you know what manslaughter is? Manslaughter means that you killed someone, but you didn't mean to. It just happened. If you are out and you're drinking and you're, you get a DUI and you have an accident, though, uh, you're a drunk driver and you kill someone, you'll probably be charged with manslaughter. What does that mean? It means you killed someone and you're responsible for it, but you didn't get in that car with the specific purpose, with the intent of killing someone. Should you have known better? You betcha. Should you have ever driven drunk? No. But you did it. And because of that, you killed someone. But we're not going to charge you with first-degree murder. We're going to charge you with manslaughter. Now, first-degree mur murder means that it's premeditated. That you sat down, you thought about it, you looked at this, and you said, I'm going to kill that person. And they can usually tell because you've got a plan involved. You were waiting outside of their house. You were hiding in the bushes. You went and purchased a gun the week before. You see, one's premeditated and the other is not. Now, I understand that the majority of you are not going to commit murder. So, I'm going to use an example that all of you can relate to. All right? We're going to use premarital sex as an example to illustrate the difference between trespass and a transgression. A trespass happens when you get caught up in the heat of the moment, the passion of the moment, and you do things you know you shouldn't do. Let's suppose that you're making out. And as you're making out, things begin to get hot and heavy, and you know you ought to stop, but you know, passion's rising, it's all there, and you do something you shouldn't have done. You didn't mean to, but you got caught up in the passion of the moment. A transgression, on the other hand, is when you decide to go away for the weekend. Oh, yeah, you had to call and make a reservation, and you only got one room. You knew exactly what you were going to do, or you decide to move in together. So basically, the difference between a trespass and a transgression is one is premeditated, one is not. Does that make sense? Is everyone with me? Good. Now, when you get to the point that you are transgressing, you're skating on thin ice. Because you're in rebellion to God. God has drawn a line in the sand and you don't care. It's not that you cross the line and you think, Oh no, what did I do? I got caught up in the heat of the moment. Ooh, step back there, Lord, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. A transgression is where God's drawn that line in the sand and you go, I don't care. I'm going to do it. I'm going to live with this woman. Or I'm going to live with this man. Or I'm going to go away for a weekend with them. I'm going to do what I want to do. And you deliberately step across the line with premeditated forethought. Now, once you get to that point, you usually slide right into the final category of sin. The fifth and final category of sin is referred to as iniquity. It just sounds bad, doesn't it? 
You know, a trespass is bad, but you know, we kind of think in English terms and, you know, it says no trespassing, but I got to get home in a hurry, so I run across that land. And then we think of a transgression, we see that, but boy, iniquity, that sure sounds bad. And it is. Iniquity comes from the Greek compound word, anomia. Anomia. Again, it's a compound word, which means it's made up of more than one word. In this case, it's made up of the root word namas. Namas means law. And then a privative is added to it. Does everyone know what a privative is? In grammar, a privative is used to change a positive term to a negative term. Let me give you an English example. Everyone knows what a theist is, right? A theist is someone who believes in God. Now, in order to change it from a positive term to a negative term, we add a privative to it. We add the, the letter A to it. So now it's no longer a theist who believes in God, but now it's an atheist, someone who doesn't believe in God. We took the privative A, we added it to the word, and we changed the meaning entirely. We went from a positive term to a negative term, and that's what a privative does. Well, in Greek, they had a privative too. It's the equivalent of our A. It's alpha. So... When you take the privative alpha and you add it to the root word namas, it literally means anti-law. In other words, you were rebellious. It doesn't matter what God's word says. I do what I want when I want to do it. You see, the term iniquity refers more to an attitude rather than a specific violation of a commandment. Does that make sense? It refers to people who refuse to obey the law and are wild. Many times it's translated as wickedness. We're talking about people who are committing numerous sins. They're partying, they're drinking, they're taking drugs, they're involved in premarital sex with everyone and anyone that they can have sex with. They just live that type of lifestyle that you realize that person's either going to burn out or they're going to end up in prison. That's what iniquity means. All right? Turn to Matthew chapter 24, verse number 12, and let me show you how this word is used in the Bible. Jesus says this about the end times. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Notice how the NIV translates this. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. And we see that taking place. We especially see that in, in areas of high criminal activity. They say in New York, you could be being raped, you could be being mugged, just in, in, in the public, and, and right on the main street. And people will walk on by and won't even look. People won't call the police, no one will call in for 911. They're not going to get involved. Why? They become so desensitized to sin, as long as it's not happening to them, and they don't want to get involved. Why is it that way? Because wickedness has so abounded that the love of many has waxed cold. And that's kind of the culture that we live in today. Now, I want you to notice how these different types of sin go from bad to worse. The first category of sin is hamartia. It means to miss the mark. It implies that you're trying to be perfect, but because you have the atomic sin nature, you can't be. And it includes the sins of omission and the sins of ignorance. Again, the sins of omission means you know you should do something, but you don't do it. I know I should forgive, but I just can't do it, God. I know I should help that person, but I, I, I'm so busy, God. Or the sins of ignorance. You're doing things you don't know is wrong. That's the first category of sin. But the main point of the first category is you're trying to be perfect. 
That's why Romans 3.23 uses that word. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because there are people that think they are good enough to go to heaven, and they're not. Everyone has sinned. We haven't done what we should have done, and we've done things we shouldn't have done, even if we didn't know it was wrong. Therefore, we need Jesus. First category. Then you have the second category, adikia. It means to be unfair, to mistreat people. We do that. We, we're in a bad mood. We snap at people. Teachers, there are those students in your class that you just don't like. Maybe they're a show-off. Maybe they're mouthy. Maybe you just don't like the way they look. And you can't tell anyone that you treat your students differently, but you're looking at that one, and let me tell you, they step out of line, they're getting a spanking. Then you got your, your, your student over here that you just love, and they can do all types of things, and they never get in trouble. You're being unfair. You're at Ikea. Does that make sense? Then you have the third category of sin, which is peripatoma. It means to break a commandment, but the reason that you broke the commandment, the reason that you stepped over the line in the sand, is because you got caught up in the heat of the moment. But the main thing that I want to tell you is it's not premeditated. You did not have forethought and said, I'm going to do this. Yes, you did something you shouldn't have done. You know, I can imagine David up on, on, on the... Uh, top of his house he's on the roof of it and he's looking down and you have to understand the king's house would always be the top one and if you ever go over to Israel you'll understand that the old city of Jerusalem is not where the city of David was it's actually on the south end and David's palace would have been at the top now most people because of the heat and the way it is in the summertime they'll go up and they'll sleep at night on the roofs and they have all these privacy areas they put up little uh, blankets and stuff especially when they're taking a bath but David's up on the roof of his palace, and he's looking down on the people, just looking at him. And all of a sudden, he sees this beautiful, naked woman, Bathsheba. And he knows he shouldn't be looking, but he gets caught up in the passion of the moment. And he stays there, and he continues to look, and he says, My gosh, I got seven wives, but mm, they don't look like that. And he says, Who is that woman? Let's see, what house is that? That would be, yeah. Someone needs to tell that woman to come by. See, he got caught up in that. He got caught up in the sin of the moment. And the emotions were there. The passion was there. And that's what caused him to do it. That's the third category. Fourth category is parabasis. It means to willfully, intentionally break a commandment. You are doing it in premeditation. You're intentionally stepping across the line. You don't care anymore. I don't care what God's word says. I'm going to do it. I'm going to have sex with this girl and not be married. I'm going to move in with them. And we don't just see kids doing this. We see adults, 50s and 60s and 70s, living with each other in sin. Let me tell you, it's different than Hamartia. It's the fourth category now. These are the serious sins because you're doing it in just obstinate violation of what God's word. You're looking at God and saying, I don't care. And then you come to the last one, which is anomia, and it means to be rebelliously wicked. You're breaking biblical laws right and left because you know what? It just doesn't matter. Life is short. I'm going to do what I want. Now, why is it important to know the difference between the five different types of sin? Why is it important to know that there are five categories of sin? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because backsliding is a gradual process. It does not happen overnight. It happens over time. We lit a little sin in our life, and we don't repent of it. And it desensitizes us. And so now we do this all the time. 
And because we've let this sin in our life, now all of a sudden there's some more sin. And we begin to do a little bit more sin and we become desensitized to that. So now we're willfully sinning, but only in the heat of the moment. But we don't repent of that. And pretty soon we get kind of used to that and we're desensitized. And now we're intentionally sinning with premeditated forethought. Now all of a sudden we're breaking certain specific laws and we know we shouldn't, but we go ahead, doesn't matter, we're going to do it. It's not made in the heat of the moment, it's just a decision we made. And before we know it, all of a sudden we fall into this where we have a rebellious attitude towards God. We don't go to church anymore. They're all a bunch of hypocrites. Well, that's true. We wouldn't have a church if we didn't have hypocrites. Because the only one that's not a hypocrite is Jesus. Of course I'm a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Our church is made up of hypocrites. But you see, now we're in rebellion to God. And we're just going, I'm not like those people who go to church and have sin in their life. I'm just going to let everyone know I've got this type of sin. I'm going to live the way I want to. So basically, we get involved in what is now called iniquity. We're anti-law. We're breaking biblical laws right and left. And it might look like it happened quickly because one day you were in church and six months later you're out of church and you're involved in all types of sin. I want you to understand it took six months to get there. It didn't happen overnight, people. We went through every one of these categories of sin. Got to the point where we weren't trying to be perfect. And I know I'm not perfect. Then we got to the point where, you know, we're kind of unfair and we're mistreating that. We start judging other Christians. Yeah, look at them. They think they're so good. And then we get into the trespasses. Then we go to the transgressions. And pretty soon we're out of church doing whatever we want to do. So when you see this progression of sin in your life, you know you're in trouble. That's why it is so important for us, when we know that we've sinned, to confess our sin and to repent of it. And God is faithful and just to forgive us. It's so important to have a prayer time when we're coming before God and we're allowing his word to shine into our heart and to show us where we're sinning and where we're wrong and where our, where our heart, our motives, our intents are wrong. And we're saying, God, if, I got, I, if I've got the wrong motive or, or God, if my heart is not right, please show me. Because we don't realize that if we're not to that point, it's very easy to go all through these five categories of sin to we're at the place where we're no longer in church and we just don't care. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you've been there. And maybe over a period of five or ten years, you finally got conviction. You go, I need to go back to church because your life is literally falling apart. And you come back to church and you hear me teach and go, yeah, I needed that. And you repent and it's like you're starting all over again because God is the God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. God is the God of a thousand chances. And you're back here and you're going, I don't ever want to be there again. I've been there. And I've been there with the drugs, and I've been there with the alcohol, and I've been there with the sex. Now, I'm not talking about me. I'm just saying that as you are saying that. I've been there. And man, it's, a, it's not a fun place to be. Your life's just torn apart, and you don't just ruin your life. You ruin other people's lives. My kid's life is ruined. I could have had a good marriage, but it was broken up. Man, I lost my job. All these things happened, and it's all because... I got to the point where eventually I was anomos, iniquity, anti-law. And now I just want to come back to God and I want him to be Lord of my life. That's where we have to be. And that's why it's so important to realize that not all sin is the same. 
we're all going to sin. That first category of sin, doesn't matter how hard you try to be perfect, by the end of the day, you're going to realize, I should have done this and I didn't do it. God, forgive me. And God, I know there's other things that I didn't even know I did, but I did. And I thank you that the blood of Jesus is continually cleansing me. And then we have to realize when we're unfair, we just come to God and, and we allow him to work in our heart. But if we're not careful, it's so easy to become desensitized. And that's why it's important to know the five categories of sin. Because if you're in that third category and you're doing it in the heat of the moment... Let me tell you, you better put some borders up where you don't be like that. I'll give you a true story about myself. God had called me to preach. I loved to play softball. I was about 24 years old. I was playing in a church league. And I was a decent athlete. But I thought I was better than I was. And we had some pretty sorry players on the team. And they'd, they'd mess up, and I'd get upset. And no one knew I was upset. But in my heart, I was upset. And you could see it on my face. You could see it in my actions. I just didn't say anything. And after one particular inning where two or three people had really screwed up, I came off that softball field and I threw my glove down and God said, pick that up. What? You pick that up. So I picked that up. I could feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me. He says, I want you playing softball ever again. You stop playing softball. If you can't act right, you quit it. And let me tell you, I didn't play softball from then on. Now, I feel like I could go out and play softball now because I'm probably the sorriest one on the team. <laughs> and it wouldn't matter anymore. Now, you guys would have to work on your attitude. <laughs> but you see, it all starts with the attitude. It all starts with the heart. And before we know it, we just get caught up. And I was getting caught up in parabasis. And if I would have justified that, it wouldn't be long that I'd be in transgression. And that's why the Holy Spirit deals with us. He deals with our heart. He deals with our insides, our emotions.